Welcome to Inside the Recording Studio. I am Jody Whitesides, and with me is Mr. Chris Hellstrom. How are you today, Chris? I'm doing very well, Jody. Well, How fantastic. about yourself? I'm doing yeah. pretty good, too. Yes. Good. Yes. Glad to hear it. Well, life is good. We should just stop right now. Shortest podcast yeah. episode ever. 40 seconds. Well, I'm not going to talk that. So, yeah, everything's good. See you yes. next week, guys. Yes. All right. Yeah. Uh, well, we should probably Maybe just not. actually get on with the actual episode, right? Let's do it. What are we talking about today? My impression is we're talking about compression. Not impressions, but compressions. Yeah. That's what we're going to do. We're going to talk a little bit more of an overview of compression because we've done deep dives into some compression units. We've talked about the LA-2A. We talked about the 1176. But it dawned on us that we haven't really talked about compression in and of compression. itself. Right. So I <laughs> think we do that because I think that's, you know, it's an important part of, of the process and it can be... Until we're comfortable with it, it can be a little mysterious and, and uh, yeah, challenging perhaps. Well, I don't know if it's mysterious, but, you know, actually, maybe it is. It could be. I know that we made gain stage a little less uh, mysterious and phase cancellation a little less mysterious. Maybe we can make compression a little less mysterious. What do you say to that? I think that sounds like a deal, and we should try to do that right now. All right. Well, get on it, will you? <laughs> I will. Yeah. So I suppose we should talk now. If you're super comfortable about compression and knowing how to do all this kind of stuff, this would probably be a bit of a review for you. But, hey, it's good to dust up on our knowledge and brush up on it or another phrase like that. But we basically have the the main or I'd say the first two controls or parameters that we should think about. Well, whoa, 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 whoa. back, 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 way up. You're getting right into whoa. the controls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe we I should actually we should talk back. about what compression does. What exactly is it first? Oh, fine. I suppose we can do that. Yeah. So compression is obviously something that we do to control dynamics or control peaks in our audio um, where we can, if we have an instrument or something that has a wide dynamic range. Yes. We can use compression to effectively sort of like turn down the peaks a little bit to make it a little bit more cohesive. Um, you're thinking, I see your, 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 well, my brain, brain just is, went is off working. because you said it's really more for the peaks, but it also controls the valleys too. Well, it, it can, and that's, you know, when we go into it, but, but I think there's, you know, there's a little bit of a false narrative that, that you can hear sometimes in that say, okay, well, you're using, you're using compression to make things louder. To make it well, louder. Well, that, that can be a byproduct of how you're using the compression. Right. Um, but what we're really effectively doing is that we are, so limiting the dynamic range and, and effectively turning down peaks. So it the byproduct of that is kind of like the the low end of the dynamics is coming up. So your whole audio can feel a little bit more cohesive. So it's not so wide. And I think that's why, okay, but now I can turn it up more. 
you know, or I hear the low parts more. Uh, so that's a byproduct of it. But what we're really doing is that we're taming the peaks using compression. Yes, there, there is. Yeah, no, I thoroughly well understood exactly what you just said. Good. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, and I, I kind of touched on the other little parts in that little spiel there that, you know, we're controlling the dynamics. So if you have, let's say, you know, it could be a percussion part or it could be a vocal part where certain uh, parts, it could be, let's say, a singer, he has to project more at one point and we can massage that in so it becomes a little bit more even. Sure, sure, sure. Um, and what, but it, so one of the things in, in what you were saying is that it can make the softer pa parts kind of feel a bit louder. Yeah. And I think part of that stems from because, uh, well, not uh, because, but it, part of it arises from the fact that when you're bringing the peaks down, you tend to offset what you've brought down by bringing the overall volume up a little bit. And that's why you can, yes. And, and, and in that regard, it isn't necessarily that the softer parts are being louder. It is that they are actually louder because you're bringing the volume of everything up in relation. Exactly. Yeah. So you, you're squishing down the really loud parts and thereby you can bring up the whole and therefore, it sounds like the, the softer parts are getting louder. Yes. But effectively, it's the loud parts that are getting softer, but the byproduct is we compensate for that and bring it up. And we call so, yeah. that dynamic Makeup range. Game. Dynamic yes, range dynamic of the range. whole overall thing. Yeah. So we are actually mm -hmm. essentially, as you said earlier, reducing the amount of dynamic range. Yep. So, yeah. Which is really kind of weird when you think about it. Why is that? Well, in the days of recording on tape, they did it for a very specific reason. And it had more to do with the fact that the noise floor of tape was rather high in relation to digital. Yeah. And, or at least it's rather high in relation to today's digital. I won't say that it was rather high in the early days of, in relation to the early days of digital. But uh, the idea of the noise floor was the whole reason for squishing down the peaks so they wouldn't distort on the tape. And then you could bring the overall volume of everything up to be above the quote unquote noise floor of the tape. So it was easier to hear. Now with yeah. the dynamic range of digital, why we're actually doing this is almost kind of, it seems in a sense, more of an effect these days than it is a reality of like, well, I'd need it to be above the noise floor. Well, th technically there really isn't much of a noise floor. So. Um, yeah, I suppose you can think of it that way. I mean, I, I think it's still, when I use compression, I, you know, very rarely think about, oh, I got to watch the noise floor because well, of the no, medium. No, that's that what we're I'm saying. Right? We don't have right. that issue anymore that we have to worry right. about a noise floor. But yeah, but it's also, you know, we touched on this when we talked about the gain staging or in the gain staging episode, we yep. talked about gain staging and where, where that comes from. But um, the, for me, it's, there, there are other byproducts of coming from compressing a signal. And of course, we're, we're like you said, we're reducing the dynamic range. Um, but an effect from that is not just bringing up what, what's perceived as lower level dynamics in the signal, but it's also, it can add energy because you're hearing everything. It sounds like a little bit more in your face and you can 
make it sound a little bit more exciting with that. Um, there's also bad parts of that because it's very, very easy to overdo sure. compression, right? Because you see, oh, the compression sounds really, really good. So more has to be better, right? Because as we all know, more is more. More, more is, is better. always better, right? No, but... Not always, yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, I, I think we we touched on this when we talked about the 1176s and, and, and the, the LA-2As, but you can wonder where all the, the emotion went. Sure. <laughs> so, well, what, what happened? Because it's just squished as a pancake now and it's just there's no life left in the signal so hey pancakes are good stuff sometimes it. man don't don't knock pancakes just not in audio right <laughs> right you don't want to pancake your audio or at least most of the time yeah. generally you don't want to pancake your audio so that that sounds like a slogan that should go on a t-shirt <laughs> don't pancake your audio <laughs> Okay, we've got our first ITRS uh, T-shirt that we're going to be putting on sale. Don't pancake your audio. <laughs> there you go. Join the email there list and sign up and buy one. We'll have them uh, in a few weeks' time. All right. So don't pancake your audio, man. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm sorry. Let's get back on track. Yeah, let's do. All right. So let's so, let's kicking it off now that we've kind of given the whole impression of like what was the theory behind using compression and, and what we're doing with it. Uh, sonically speaking, let's maybe dive into some of the controls of how compression actually starts to work, right? Yeah. Sure. So I, I think that the two big ones to start with there is the threshold and the ratio. Oh, well, why don't we take a step back and just talk about the first one? There's a lot yeah. to unpack right there. Th there is. There's a lot there um, because threshold is at what level does the compression start to kick in? What right? volume so, level that it's coming in on your input? Correct. Yes. Yeah, into the compressor, right? So at what level will that start to activate, right? So right. you can, you find, well, you fine tune that ideally so that you're just hitting those peaks that you wanted to catch. Um, and, and ideally, what were those peaks supposed to be? <laughs> well, that, <laughs> that's all well, relative. Well, that, that's just... Yeah, that's all relative. And this is one of those things where it drives me crazy when you see like presets on a compressor. Because all of this is content dependent, as we like to say. Right? Sure. So I said, like, well, yeah, this might have worked for whatever you're dialing this up at, but it doesn't mean that it's it's going to work in your case. Um, so we have to listen for that and that just just listen for your ear and we can of course we can use the VU meters or whatever digital meters that we have on that to, to see that we're catching some compression and we're, we're taking off as much as we we kind of want sure which, hey, you know what you, you kind of like throwing a whole lot of stuff out there that isn't really a layman's kind of thing so okay first off what's a VU meter we've never actually discussed that and since you've just mentioned it kind of rather prominently here what exactly is a VU meter well, the VU meter is, you know, a meter, it's, it's kind of what we think about that, that needle that we kind of look at that goes up and down in accordance to our audio. Or back and signal forth, that's yeah. coming in, Or back and forth in the, if we're viewing gain reduction. Sure. Right? So it would yep. go up and we would see it kind of kicking back down. So it's when we look at that sort of old school meter, which yep. has a needle moving in both directions, that's a VU meter. Right. Okay. Just... Yeah. Checking. Make <laughs> Making sense? sure okay. that you know what you're talking about and everybody else knows what we're talking about. Oh, dude, I'm winging this as we're going along. I've <laughs> never used a compressor <laughs> at all. Yeah. Um, so the next thing that it is the ratio, 
Mm. And the ratio well, hold is on. let's let's back up okay. for a second on this threshold thing because you you started to talk mm -hmm. about the fact that you're you're not real keen on a lot of the presets that come in and we never really discussed why you want to set the threshold because you mentioned well you want to kind of take off the peaks what exactly does that mean because we need to think about you know what is the volume level that's entering the darn thing right no matter mm -hmm. what compressor it is. So the reason why we're setting a threshold is to understand, well, where is our volume level in relation to what this input is that's coming into the compressor? And that threshold usually has a dial of, I don't know, minus 20 to, depending on, uh, and when it says minus 20, that up means- Up to unity usually. Up to like, unity yeah. or whatever. Uh, the minus 20 is in relation to minus 20 dB. And maybe it goes a little further, maybe on either side of whether it goes lower in the spectrum of volume or higher in the spectrum of volume. But the threshold actually means what point, as you said, the compressor is going to start kicking in and affecting the signal based on what volume level the threshold is set at. So if you have like a baseline, let's say, coming in and you've recorded it at uh, – as I like to say, a minus 18 peaking situation uh, on your DAW, and you set the threshold to be at, say, minus 20, that means that any time the signal actually starts going above minus 20, it's going to start affecting the signal. Yeah, it's starting to apply compression at that point. Right, yeah. minus 20 dB at that point. So uh, mm -hmm. if you're most of your baseline is playing below minus 20. Most of your baseline is never going to get affected by the actual compression ratio, which we're about to talk about. But anything that does rise above, if you say set it at minus 18 and you're peaking slightly above minus 18, then anything above minus 18 is going to be affected. Now, if you're recording much hotter levels and say your base is coming in in a relative level of say minus 15, but your peaks are hitting at say minus 10, which are pretty extravagant peaks, and you set your threshold for, say, minus 12, well, anything that starts hitting above minus 12 in your signal path will start being affected by the compressor. So that's a big discussion on setting your threshold. It has everything to do with how loud you've actually recorded that track, what your gain was coming into it before. Now we're going to get on and move on with the ratio. Right. But, but that's also assuming that the compressor is the first thing in your chain. Yeah. Well, yeah. Right? So anything it, that's coming right, to the compressor so, at that level. Yeah. Right. So if, if you just have a pure unadulterated signal that, that's, like you said, that's peaking at, at minus 18, yes. then that's absolutely true. But if you have something else that's going on before you're hitting the compressor. So we want to make sure, I think, that we specify that it is the signal going into the compressor. So whatever is happening before that, then that's that's how we set the threshold. But it's also we can we can do this sort of scientifically by numbers, like you said, where I want to make sure I'm not hitting too high, right? Or I'm I'm not hitting too hot. Correct. But it it and it, it's one of those phrases that you, you don't want to necessarily hear when you're learning to do something, but you have to use your ear to, well, yeah, to yeah, just yeah. like determine what, what it is that we're doing, right? And it, it all depends on if we are, maybe we're looking at a high ratio. We'll get to that in a second, a high ratio, where it's almost like a limiting situation where we absolutely don't want anything to get through 
or we're just massaging those levels. So yep. all of this kind of goes hand in hand as, as we'll discover here. As yes, we, they do work in conjunction, but I just wanted to really bear down on the threshold thing because it does make a massive difference on how the compressor will react. Absolutely, absolutely. So should you talk about ratio or should I go into it? Well, I can certainly talk about ratio. Go for it. All Why right. don't you kick off ratio here? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll kick it off and then you clean it up. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll take a little bit of a, of a coffee here. Yeah. Okay. So ratio is the knob that tells the compressor how much it's to should start compressing, and that's easier to say than do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's easier to do than to say, actually. Yeah. Well, either way you want to look at it. Uh, the, right. the ratio is how much you're going to start compressing the signal once it crosses the threshold. So a ratio of one to one means you're not doing any compression at all because whatever's coming in at one dB of volume is going out at one dB of volume. If you set it at, say, two to one and something crosses the threshold that you have set, the volume that's now going to come out is half as loud. So if it goes over your threshold by 2 dB, it's coming out of the compressor at 1 dB. And so on and so forth. If you go up to, say, 4 D, a four to one ratio on your compressor. If it goes in at four dB over the threshold, what comes out is one dB at that volume level. Does that make sense, Chris? Yes. Okay. It, it does make, well, it makes sense to me because I know how it works. But, <laughs> you but know that's, how it works. But no, but yeah, absolutely. But, but that's really what happens, right? So, and one thing that I, I used to make the mistake of, I was thinking that, well, Four to one, that, that's not a whole lot of compression. I, I wanted to be eight to one or whatever. <laughs> but when you really, really step back. That shit. Yeah. Um, but when you really step back and look at like a four to one ratio, that, that it's a that's pretty a hefty pretty difference. Yeah. yeah, it's a pretty hefty difference, right? So because um, as you know, just to kind of take a sidestep for one moment, uh, mm -hmm. your channel strip volume levels, if you go up one dB, so mm -hmm. to speak. Is it not, is it something like it's considered to be perceptively twice as loud? Is that correct? How many dB is it? it it's a fair, it's, it's a very small amount in volume level that is considered to be perceivably different in the loud, in how loud something comes out. So. Well, I think, I think that that's, um, are you talking about, is that the, the sort of Fletcher Munson yeah. thing that you're yeah, yeah, talking yeah, yeah. about? Yeah. I, I think it, it's highly dependent on frequency. Mm. Um, so certain frequencies we we detect a lot easier or we're more sensitive to than others. So, right. um, but the amount of volume that when you change like the dB amount, it it doesn't seem like it would be a lot to suddenly strike a huge difference in what's going on. And my point to that is, is when you're saying, well, four to one isn't much, but oh, eight to one is where I want to be. That's a substantial amount yeah. of gain change when you think about it and it can reduce the amount of volume that you're hearing drastically and it can make a sound sound wildly different right and sometimes that's appropriate right when you have certain things so it's just really really loud in certain spots perhaps but program dependent <laughs> yeah absolutely but, but if you think about that too it's like so let's say that we have you know an eight to one ratio right which now is if we go hefty. over that's pretty hefty. But now 
once you get over the, the threshold, to be able to go over that by 2 dB, it's just going to go up 2 dB. You have to actually feed it like 16 dB yeah. above the threshold. Right? Above so the threshold. It's it, got to be a lot. Yeah. So it, it squishes. And then as we'll talk, well, as we talked about in the deep dives of the LA-2A and the 1176, how each compressor, how quickly it deals with those maximum ratios there it depends so that that's where we can get into different flavors of compressor kind of thing sure um but overall that, that's how ratios work right yes and it's it's what, always what is, going to be a lot less than you think it is <laughs> yeah yeah and um what's the uh i think i'm not sure if there's a general consensus but it's it's is it like 30 to 1 that's considered like limiting? And I know some people say- Oh, I would think it's than less that, than that. I think 20. Maybe well, 20. 20 to yeah. 1 is where you're starting to get into limiting rather than compressing, yeah. really. Right. Because that, that's- Anything up to- that, I think personally, anything past five is quite quite heavy-handed, but that's just me. Yeah. So Well, but again, it depends on what we're doing. That. And of course, yes. with if you have- Let's say that you just really need to tame a couple of quick peaks somewhere, maybe a higher threshold, but with a higher ratio is is all the it's order needed. Of the day, yeah, right? it yeah. really just kind of depends. Yes, what we're trying to do. Yep. Okay, so um, we've now talked about how we're effectively turning down peaks, right. right? And that's kind of what we're controlling with all this kind of stuff. So, so before we get into the next section of what we're about to speak of, let's have a word yeah. from our sponsor. Let's do it. All right. We're talking about makeup gain at this point. We are. Because yes. we're making stuff up. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, but uh, we are, you know, we've turned down peak levels. Right. Using our ratio and, and set it with the threshold. So... The overall signal gets softer. We're not as strong. So we can compensate for that with a makeup gain. So uh, we don't necessarily just use volume. And now if we use that makeup gain, say that we're taking off uh, 5 dB, let's say, we could now effectively turn up 5 dB and we'd have the same overall loudness, but we're now hearing everything um, or the lower, softer signals in in our in our track as yeah, well. Yeah, we'll come up uh, that amount. But is it? See now, my impression would be if you're doing a five to one, mm -hmm. you're bringing down five dB for everything that goes up over the threshold five dB, but it's coming out one dB. Yeah, I get okay. Never mind. I brain fart. Yeah, forget what I'm saying. A lot of this, <laughs> it's okay, but but because it, it gets. It's so much easier when you can, again, we're, we're talking about sound here, so it's kind of hard, but when we, when you hear it in front of you, you, you know that you can turn it back. Everything is dependent on your ear. You just want to do that. So, but, but that's what makeup gain does. So if you're taking yes. off a lot, you're shaving off a lot, you can compensate with a makeup gain. So this is at the end of, of the signal going through your compressor. Coming back out the can, back end. Exactly. Yeah. And sometimes now, why did some we stick the output in the middle? Because we've got two more things to think of. We do. Well, because I think it, it makes, if you have an understanding of what those three do. Yes. I think the next two here 
becomes a little bit more of the fine tuning of how we're dealing with, with, with everything that we have there. And we're, of course, talking about the attack time and the release time. Gotcha. So uh, let's start with the release time. No, let's go real backwards. Yeah. Now, with this, is um, th there? there's a lot of, you know, we've said in many podcasts that you and I are pretty big on definitions. Sure. What what things actually mean. Because definitions and, uh, help define shit. <laughs> yeah. And, it and makes if you it don't easier. know the definition, you can't define it. How can you know how to handle it appropriately? Yeah. That's why. So, right. So hopefully we can clear up some possible misconceptions that are out there. Um, we'll try anyway. We'll do our best. And then people will tell us, oh, you're full of shit. But, yes. um, <laughs> I don't, I don't think I am at this point with the information I sit on. Um, so is that a CRD? <laughs> CRD? Yeah. Chris, reality I'm, distortion. I'm like, maybe, maybe I'm just like, you know, Steve Jobs. I got my own like reality field. I reject your reality and substitute my own. Right. Um, All right. So let's get back to the attack. Cause I was attacking you. Yeah. So attack time. Um, so what the attack time is, is how long it takes for the compressor to reach maximum compression once it hits the threshold. Right. Can you say that one so, more time just because it's like we're throwing a lot of information at people right now. So say that. Yeah. Again. Okay. The amount of time it takes the compressor to reach maximum compression once the signal passes the threshold. Right. So does that make sense to everyone? I certainly hope so. Well, I see a couple of hands. <laughs> um, yeah, so hopefully that makes it. But but because it it's not like oh it, it it's going to bypass a threshold. No, the threshold is already there. As soon as it sees the threshold, it starts acting. Yes. But it's how long it takes for it to reach maximum compression. Correct. So um, this is something that we usually measure in milliseconds. milliseconds. Really quick yeah. shit. Yeah, or sometimes <laughs> even up to a second. But but again, this is very much content dependent and dependent on what it is that you're trying to do to your right. signal. And as we have noted in a couple of the deep dives, one of the deep dives had an attack time knob. Uh -huh. One of them did not because it was just inherently yeah. built into the unit in the type of compression that it is. So yeah. not so all compressors like a, will have an attack knob. Yeah. Just LA2 so you know. One of them. Yes. Right? Yeah. It's just a set. It's like, yep, this is how it works. Send this it into it. it but um, yeah, but but attack time is something that can be uh, uh, understatement of the year, but <laughs> <laughs> very, very helpful to know how to work, right? Because it, yes. it, it affects a lot. And it, Personally, I, it took me a while to understand what the attack and release actually did, and you just kind of turning it blindly. Or, um, but learning what to listen for is um, a big deal. You know, imperative. It's a yeah. big, big, so, big, big deal. Just kidding. And yeah, a, a good trick. And this maybe this is something that we can actually do on a uh, on the Tuesday tip coming up for for this episode. But okay, if you if you have a compression set. You've set your threshold and you've set your ratio. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, you start by having 
a really, really long attack time. Right. And this is instrument dependent at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So it's probably good to, to try this on something that is relatively percussive so that you have a lot of peaks and, and things to go not in other words like congas pad, right? bongos triangles drum sets <laughs> that, that kind of thing right or even like a, a strumming guitar acoustic guitar perhaps right? a funk pattern yeah right Bounce, so, bow, bow. Th- there you go um and then to to slowly make the attack time shorter and you you will hear when you're starting to really, really affect um, the signal with a compressor. And if you go too far, so you have a really, really short attack time, you can potentially just, you hear when you start squeezing the life out of the signal. And that's, you know, probably a good signal to kind of, for you to ease off a little bit on the attack time. So I think that's a great way to, well, learn how to adjust that and learn how to listen for it. Because, you know, I think with a lot of this stuff, it's not like people don't hear what they're doing, but but a lot of times we don't know what to listen for. Yes. So if you listen to that that bite at the beginning uh, of uh, of the attack time, other compression it is a good thing to do. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Yeah. A little bit of spinal, spinal tap. tap moment. All right. Uh, <laughs> let's move on from the attack time now that you have so appropriately discussed how it works and talk about the release time. And I'll just okay. kind of jump in on this first. So release time works in conjunction with the attack time, the makeup gain, the ratio, and the threshold more or less, is how long the compressor will hold on to the compression setting that it has had until the signal goes back below the threshold. So what that means is, is that you could have this sound that gets clamped down by the compressor, and if you set for a really long release time, the sound could be kind of technically, quote unquote, well below the threshold before the compressor will let it go, which gives the appearance of more volume for a longer period of time. Right? Yeah. In yeah. So, well, yeah. In a sense, what, what I would like to add there is it, this is where some, again, confusion with um, release time and, and definitions and that sort of thing, because it, it gets kind of fuzzy. Yes, it does. Um, but it's once it hits, um, maximum compression through the through the attack time the release time well the release will start to happen right away but the release time will determine how long it takes for that to sort of to go down to the threshold again right so well but not down to the threshold because technically speaking if it's still above the threshold it's still compressing yes yeah so let's say for Example, if you just have a, a snare hit, yes. let's say, just a single snare hit, it's how long it takes for that for, to, to die down, how, how gradually, if you will, that, that release will happen. Right. And this is another one that's important because if you have too long of a release time, it, it, you're messing up for the next hit on the compression, right? You, you, you're essentially squishing the life out of stuff. <laughs> yes. Uh, so if it's still it, trying it to release before the next hit happens, you're not going to get the same attack value 
as yeah. the first hit that didn't have a release going on during its attack. Is what right. you're trying to say. Yeah. Yes. So again, here at the other end of the spectrum, if we have too short of a release time and too short, again, this is just by taste, right? Depends on what it is that you're trying to do. Um, you can get an artifact known as pumping, right? Yes. You, you can hear very, very gradually how or, or drastically how the compression is working and it, and it can sound unnatural. Now, in certain music styles, this is sometimes beneficial. Desirable. Like if yeah. You know, when we hear that, that pumping EDM. in the EDM and that kind of stuff, we have that sort of sucking of the backing track. That kind of thing. Sounds yeah, just very like rhythmic, that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> slurp, slurp. Uh, so, again, with the release time here, similar method could be good to, just to listen for that where we, you know, we, we start with either a really short or really long release time and just start backing that off on those signals and we hear it. Um, we can set those. I mean, I think this is something that you've talked about that you have um, done when you like to set your release time in time with the music. Yes. If it's at all possible, like for snare hits and that kind of thing. Yes, I do kind of do that from time to time. Yeah. So it's something that we can use because we, if we have a longer release time on, let's say we've talked about percussive things here, like mm -hmm. the snare drum, we, we give the impression of that the the snare is as a fuller body for longer, as opposed to just being this tick, tick, it beaten. You know, Although, you gotta ring out. If yes. you over compress a snare, it can start coming out sounding like as you just mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> but, but what is that? You like to say throwing tic-tacs at a throwing window or something? Throwing tic-tacs at a window. There's a couple of different terms I like to use. There's the throwing tic-tacs at a window, and there's also the ping pong balls slapping off water. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so that's how compression works, Jody. Yes. I feel like we've, we've kind of given a pretty darn good overview. Don't you? I don't know. I, I guess we'll I think so. have well, people you, tell if us. If you have any questions, <laughs> people just, yeah, email us or, or comment on, on social media or anything that you have any questions. Don't be shy. Um, just shoot out the questions and we'll do, do our best to, to answer them. But of course, so that means it's now time for Friday Finds. Chris, what do you got of us? I have a um, bass amp emulator. I've oh, often sung the praises that I really like the ones in Logic, mm. and I still do. But um, I tried out a uh, new plugin from Nembrini Audio. Nembrini. And it's called Black Ice Beta Gamma. Well, and this sounds like yeah. dangerous driving in winter weather. <laughs> yeah, it, this is. This is a deep plugin. Deep. Um, it, it's deep. Mm. It's deep, deep, which is suitable for a bass, I suppose. Especially but, for no, the name uh, of it, too. I mean, the company, Nambrini, it just sounds so futuristic. Yeah. Well, Nambrini is, is the name of the guy, actually. Well, Igor Nambrini, I think. Lucky he's him. He's got code, a futuristic it, name for a plugin. <laughs> hell yeah. Um, but it's based off of an actual box. Um, which box but is it based it has, on? I think it's I think it's actually called the Black Ice. Mm, okay. Uh, yeah, uh, but it is. 
I, I really like it. I, I might actually buy this one uh, as opposed to just trying it out here. But it's got the usual suspects. You know, you can pick your cabs. You can pick a couple of microphones, placements, that mm-hmm. type of thing. Yes. Um, you can load your own IRs into it. There's a mm-hmm. DI box. You can blend everything. There's EQs. There's lots of distortion that you can put into this. And it, it, it's a pretty deep plug-in. Um, I like it. I've only messed around with it for a little bit, but um, so far I'm impressed. So uh, Black Ice, Beta Gamma from Lembrini. Black Ice. All right. Well, yeah. uh, mine's not as what cool. you got? You know, it, it's funny that you mentioned a bass amp because I got a free bass amp this week. And I'm did, talking, did, yeah. yeah, it's not an Ambrini, unfortunately. It's not as futuristically cool sounding and it's not black ice or ice black or, you know, um, mine is an Ampeg base amp emulation mm-hmm. and it comes from the fine folks over at PA Plugin Alliance. They Yay. actually gave away an Ampeg base amp this week. So I was like, I'm going to snatch even though I have plenty of plug-in amps for all kinds of things, it's like, hey, yeah, I can always use one more Ampeg type amp, can't you? Because more is always more. More is always <laughs> more, exactly. Yeah, no, and, it's cool. No, I tried that one out as well. I like it. It's obviously scaled down of their their, but it ha- it's very very passable. It has uh, two different chains. Yes. Um, cabinet chains as well as you can bypass it and use well, your own IR loader. Okay. Well, you've been known to do. <laughs> I've always been known to do. Yes. Yeah. I'm still a big proponent of that. In fact, awesome. I started going off on the deep end of, of exploring uh, more complicated guitar and bass setups this past week in mm-hmm. my uh, preset lists as you right. are want to know that I am to do. But the idea here is that Plugin Alliance is was doing a nice giveaway of their Ampeg bass amp emulation, and I snatched it because I could, and because you know I like Ampeg bass amps because they sound yep. great. So that yep. is my Friday find, and cool. so let's see. I'm gonna actually just I'm gonna reiterate the fact that you had mentioned the fact uh, we're gonna do the Tuesday tip this week on setting compression, mm-hmm. and I would assume that uh, you're gonna work that with uh, drums. Right? Yes? No? Maybe? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Drum drum compression. Uh, So that way people can hopefully hear what you're talking about when you talk about, oh, the attack time, the release time, my threshold, my my ratio, and my makeup gain. So, yeah, there's all kinds of things to think about. And I don't know what compressor you're planning on using, but I'm sure it will be lovely. Maybe you should do more than one to kind of give a reference to a couple of different types of compression sounds. A- well, initially I was thinking of just using the uh, standard Logic one because it has very similar controls as to any other compressor you might have. So you can really demonstrate that without it being, oh, this sounds like a LA-2A or sure. yeah, like yeah. whatever. So so I think I'll do something more generic. Generic. All right. Sounds good. So you can work with this stuff straight out of your DAW because why wouldn't you if you have the tools necessary right at your fingertips? And while we've got your attention, please go to our website and leave us a review via insidetherecordingstudio.com forward slash review. Or you can just go to insidetherecordingstudio.com and poke around 
In addition to that, you can sign up for our email list at which you'll get some free plugin presets from Mr. Chris Hellstrom for your favorite Slate plugins, or at least his favorite Slate plugins. And <laughs> you'll get several presets of my favorite presets on Universal Audio plugins that I tend to like to use quite a bit. In addition to that, if I haven't already just said it, you can sign up for the email list. Oh, I was just describing why you'd want to sign up for the email list. <laughs> All right. My brain's working faster than my head. All right. Uh, in addition to that, okay. <laughs> once you sign up for the email list, you will get weekly reminders of the shows and, and Tuesday tips that have just happened. And you won't miss out on any future episodes of the podcast, because why would you want to do that? It's such a fantastic podcast. In fact, it's so fantastic. I bet you're telling two friends and they'll tell two friends and they'll tell two friends. Or if we want to go more like the pay it forward kind of three uh, thing, you, you tell three friends and then they tell three friends and then it just really Really, mushrooms like unbelievable. So yes, and we would appreciate it. Yeah, we certainly would. In addition to that, if you have made it this far and you would like to send an email to Gold Star G O L D S T A R at inside the recording studio dot com with the word compression, you might just get something fun back in your email box. I'm just saying. And in addition to that, if you have a topic of suggestion or a topic, a suggested topic for discussion for Chris and I to pontificate upon or explain in greater detail, contact us via the contact page at insidetherecordingstudio.com and we will put it into rotation for consideration, provided it's music, bleh, music recording related. I mean, if you ask us to talk about why you shouldn't stare at the sun, unless you have very powerful sunglasses on, we may not have anything to say about that. So with that, I could probably answer that, but yeah. <laughs> with that, Jody, let's put a bow on it. All right. I'm wrapping it up and saying, see ya. See you, Jody. Have a good one.